Blog Talk Radio. At first I was afraid, I was petrified, kept thinking I could never live without you by my side. But then I spent so many nights thinking how oh, you did me wrong, and I grew strong, and I learned how to get along and so you're back. Tuning in, sharing the show, both guests and 
listener alike, because as of this morning, ladies and gentlemen, we are right on the cusp of 115,000 listeners just on this show. When you add all the podcasts, we're probably right up there at 140,000. I haven't added the podcast in lately. Been a little busy, but what I did want to let you know is, is most of you know we're on iHeartRadio now under Southern Chats with Yvonne Mason as well as Off the Chain. We are also going to be on Spotify. So we're getting there. We this this show it's all your fault, ladies and gentlemen, because y'all continue to listen in and you continue to send me guests and my guests continue to want to come back. So this is all about y'all. It's not about me. I'm just a facilitator. I'm just the one that plays with the board and sets it up and brings the people on board. So thank you, all of you, and thank you for your continued prayers for my family at this time. Things just keep on rocking along, you know, we're I'm thankful for the small things in life anymore. Now, there's two ways you can get on this show. You can come on as a guest, and I don't know why anybody would not want to be on the show. We have so much fun. Or you can run an ad, and for 10 bucks, I will run the ad for a month, and it doesn't matter how many shows I have in that month. Your ad will run every night of every show that I have, and if for some reason I have to cancel the show, I will continue to run your ad the next month. And the way you do that is you contact me at offthechainradio at yahoo.com or find me on Facebook and let me know if you want to be on the show or you want to run an ad. We can do either one. And to start the show off tonight, I want to um, run two ads. Two of the very first sponsors that I had for this show, one of them, her name is Cece Chamberlain, and she has a podcast called Inside Your Life with Cece, which is a motivational, passionate conversation. She interviews people who are living their true purpose, whether it be a professional boxer, an author, or a history enthusiast. Cece strives to give you hope for a brighter day with her inspirational words. So download, subscribe, and listen as Cece guides you to pursue your dreams for you to live your best life. I've been on that show. It is absolutely amazing. Her fantastic show is available on podcast.com, iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere else that podcasts are available. And my next corporate sponsor, this girl is an author, and she is just she's just over the top. She writes the Doggone series. It's the Sam Holden series, and this is the second in the series. Wherever a helpless animal whimpers in the dark, wherever the system fails to protect an animal, she'll be there, and she isn't giving up anytime soon, so you've been warned. When Sam Holden receives a tip about a brutal dog fighting ring, she embarks on some of her most dangerous acts of vigilantism yet. The monster known as the puppeteer circles Sam's world as she unknowingly circles his. As they chase each other, will Sam put those she loves most in harm's way in order to bust up the ring? With time running out and animals in need, the dangerous life she's created begins to eclipse any other life she could ever lead. So go and buy Diane Moat's latest book in the Sam Holden series, Dogfight, on Kindle. And if you want to get started on the series, haven't started the series yet, you can also download Dog Gone. That is the first in the series. So check out both of those ladies, if you will, because they are... They are definitely worth checking out. Now, tonight, I have a guest on my show. I've known him for quite a while, and he is an interesting character. He's a radio host in his own right, been in the business for a long, long time, and he um, has some other talents that you 
you may or may not know about. His name is Gary Allen, and his unique style easily allows him to navigate through politics, sports, entertainment, and today's social issues with a wit and a sense of humor. His interview abilities shine on his online show, The Express, and his weekly podcast where he keeps his skills honed, interviewing newsmakers from all walks of life. Short notice is not a problem. Gary utilizes modern technologies that broadcast on an IPDTL.com, the new ISDN. Gary is a seasoned broadcaster with a history that spans for over 30 years. He is a native of South Florida, and he has worked at great stations like the legendary WAXY. In addition to Gary's radio work on various South Florida stations, he carries an impressive list of credentials. Now listen to this, ladies and gentlemen. He was a sideline reporter for the Orlando Predators of the Area Football League. He's hosted the pre- and post-game shows as well as play-by-play. He's done it all. On the stage, in addition to his substantial broadcast background, he is a trained improvisational talent and a former member of the L.A.'s famous Groundling Improv Troupe. I want to hear more about that. He is an accomplished impersonator, sought after nationwide for his Jay Leno impressions. I can't talk tonight. He has also done stand-up comedy, performing regularly throughout Las Vegas, and quickly became a local favorite. So we are going to have fun for the next hour. Welcome, my dear. It's been a minute. How are you? Well, let me just say this. As a former president of the United States, it's important for me to get out there and let people know that just because Hillary didn't win, I'm still here. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and that I got to tell you so something. I, I gave up a real good hot tub party down in Miami Beach to be with you, Yvonne. So, you know, that's beautiful. <laughs> I love it, I love it, I love it. How in the world did you get started doing impersonations? Uh, It was back in, uh, oh, by the way, thank you so much for having me on the program. Um, Back in 1967, 68, my mother was an interior designer down in Miami, and she came home one day with a couple of albums. Now, most of your audience is probably too young to remember but the very first comedy albums about any president were done by a gentleman named Von Meter. And there were two albums, and then, of course, unfortunately, JFK was assassinated, and that ended that. But I got a hold of those two albums, and I played them, and I played them. And I was always keen on voices and sounds and dialects and things. Zero Mostel was a hero of mine. Uh, my uncle, who was a comic on Miami Beach forever in the day, God rest his soul, uh, always encouraged me to do impersonations and try to do sound effects because he couldn't do any of himself, but he's always amazed. So that's how I kind of got started. And when I was in middle school, or what you call junior high school now, I guess, uh, I used to get up in front of my class if there was time, and I would do a few impressions here or there. So I was always encouraged to do this. However, let me just say, this is not where I... <laughs> planned on being in my life, uh, being in show business. It's not what I planned. It was just fun to me. You know, I didn't know anybody could make a living at it, uh, but for me, it wasn't where I wanted to be, and nor did I think at my age this is where I would be. Well, I'm going to tell you, if if I didn't know that you were you, I would swear mm-hmm. I was on the phone with Bill Clinton. I mean, it, it, you're natural at it. It, it it 
it, yeah, I can do some. I'm not as good as Fred Caliente or some of these other guys that have been at it. Like Rich Little and I know each other, and we've often done dual Reagans with each other and dual Nixons and stuff like that uh, when I lived in Las Vegas. Uh, those are really super talented guys. And, yes, I incorporated a lot of impersonations into my act when I did some stand-up and everything. But a lot of the people that I impersonate, Yvonne, are of our generation or before us that are already passed on that a lot of the young people today don't even have a clue. If I was to say uh, Edward G. Robinson, you know, other than maybe if you watch the Ten Commandments or, you know, the, the story of, uh, of Moses, nobody would know who Edward G. Robinson is, you know. Who's your Moses now, you know, you know or, or something was, he, like that. And he was a one – Edward G. – and he also played the bad guys in a lot of, of New York films. Oh, yeah, he was a good – yeah. But one of the, according to different people that I met in L.A. in my time out there, and I spent 10 years out there, he was one of the nicest, gentlest creatures. He and Vincent Price collected art so much so that back in the heyday when Sears was at, was, was the premier store and Sears used to sell art collections, those two were the two on the advisory board that helped Sears select what paintings would be sold in their stores. Wow. <clears throat> Yeah, and by the way, here's a clue for you. Before Robin Hood was being made, the Errol Flynn version, Edwin G. Robinson was supposed to play Robin Hood. No. Mm-hmm. But there was a contract dispute, and Errol got it instead. Well, he, Edward G., and, and for those of you who are too young to know who Edward G. Robinson is, go and look up some of the mm-hmm. movies that he played in. He commanded the entire – every scene he was in, he commanded that scene. He was he was uh, sort of like my hero, which was Spencer Tracy. Whether he had lines or not, he commanded, and he could steal a scene. He just knew okay. how to do it. There were certain actors born with that instinct. He was one of them. Uh, uh, Cagney was another one that could do it. Of course, I uh-huh. mentioned Spencer Tracy could do it. And there were a whole lot of others that really – paid their dues to get where they are. They didn't become overnight successes at 19 and 20 years old. They they didn't make it until they were in their late 30s, early 40s. Uh, you know, I mean, Al Pacino didn't really cut it. I mean, Pacino said after The Godfather, he was still bankrupt. He still didn't yep. have two, two quarters to rub together. I mean, you know, but this, like I said, this is not where I wanted to be in life. The show business was, that was the fallback because of, what happened to me when I got out of the – just as I was getting out of the Air Force? Other than that, I would have followed in my father's footsteps and would have been an airline pilot. Now, many people who know me say, thank God you didn't become an airline pilot because I can't imagine you. But I said, you didn't know me back then when I was in the military. I was a very serious guy, and while I didn't have never taken myself serious – uh, I take my job serious. It's like when I interview people on my show. I, 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 it's not me. It's not my show. Like I had Bobby Rydell on recently, and Bobby and I go back because I opened for Bobby in Las Vegas. So it was like, you know, old friends night, and we talked about Frankie Avalon and Fabian and, you know, people of that genre. And, 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 and you know, I have great conversations with friends who come on my show, such as you did. You were on my show not long ago, The Express, and uh, it was fun. Yeah, we we just talked. It's just a conversation, and that's what we do here at Off the Chain because it's like I tell newbies that come on here, what you sell, perform, or do is not the brand. That's just the byproduct. You're the brand, 
and and mm. it's really hard to get the new ones to understand that that they are the brand and people want to know about them just like people want to know about you 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 did um sports casting now to yes, me I, that I, would in be the arena of, football league you know it, it, on that paper does it say area or arena it says where you area. were reading from it's it and I, <laughs> I, I and it's late in the day and i can't Ad-lib. It should have been. Should have been I, I must have had a typographical error, but it's. I, I, I did some sideline reporting for the Arena Football League. I also did play-by-play work and pre and post-game shows, um, and I've done baseball and basketball. Uh, but I, I didn't. You know, it's like on my show, people say, "Well, why don't you do a little more of this or a little more of that?" And I could do more sports and I could do politics, but I get bored with both subjects quickly. Sports to me is something that. That is an enjoyment, something I like to do. Like, as soon as we're done here, I'm going to turn on my Boston Celtics and watch that game and hope they beat Philadelphia. Uh, <laughs> thank God Bobby Rydell doesn't listen to the show or he wouldn't talk to me again because we're both Pennsylvanians. Uh, but uh, and, and politics bores me to no end. I worked for two, two presidents, and I worked for an attorney general and a governor. So... Excuse me. So it kind of bores me to no end. I look at what's going on in Washington, and that bores me to no end because I I, I know what's going to happen. I can see what's going to happen because I was there in Washington at the end of Watergate, and I I can tell you that's where we're going, you know, and And it kind of bores me. Well, and we are such a 24-7 news cycle yeah. now that they just rehash the same old stuff over and over again. I I don't watch it. I just do my own thing and say, forget it, because yeah. nothing ever changes. No matter what we do, it doesn't change. We stay I don't know why. I don't know how people who watch it 24-7 aren't blowing their brains out, because uh, I watch about 15, 20 minutes. I can make up my own mind by what I'm hearing. I, I listen to differences of opinion, and then I come from where I come from, and I understand things. But, yeah, ever since Nixon and the fact that we now have cable news networks, if we just still had the big three, ABC, NBC, and CBS, it wouldn't be this 24-7 thing all the time. But thanks to, um, what's his name, we have 24-7 news when he started CNN. And, exactly. Uh, you know, and, and that's the reason for the rehash and the crazy opinions. It's like bloggers. You've got to be careful when you go on the Internet, Yvonne. You and I have talked about this before. You have to be extremely careful who you're reading, understand maybe where their bias is coming from, because there's no journalist There's nobody out there that doesn't come into any subject with a preconceived bias already. It may be what you agree with. It may not be. But everybody has a predetermined bias about everything on the planet. And that is true. Uh, So uh, you've got to be careful with – And most people don't want to open their mind to someone else's thought process. Even if they choose to disagree with it, they don't want to listen. Exactly, exactly, and that's the problem. We now wear our politics on our sleeve, um, and, and, and if you don't believe what I believe, then you're my enemy. You're no longer my friend. Uh, I, I recently lost a, a brother to that down in Miami who no longer talks to me because uh, he thinks somebody is the greatest thing in the president's office, and I do not, uh, but he doesn't listen to what I'm saying, and yet he, he, would, he through his, his son now, he will ask me questions. Uh, and, you know, they don't like the answers. Even his son says, I don't know where my father's coming from now because this is so opposite of who he is. But, yeah, friendships have been lost. Marriages have been lost. Uh, We wear our politics on our sleeve. It used to be just your sports. 
That's bad yeah. enough. But now it's our politics. And it's all a game. To the politicians, it's all a game. Oh, sure it is. You know? So, but and, anyway. And it, and it, it, politics has gone the way of religion. When I was growing up, there was two things one didn't discuss in polite company. And that was politics yeah. and religion. Well, now politics has gone the way of religion because you couldn't discuss religion because everybody was so in their own little box. Nobody wanted to listen to anybody else. So now we've added right. politics to that box. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it, it really is. I mean, it, it. you know, my mom and dad had it right. You just don't bring it up. But unfortunately, the world we live in today, uh, it's brought up all the time. Um, I mean... You know, so I mean, just we, we just you just have to be careful who you listen to, what you listen to, and you got to believe that everybody goes into everything with a bias. They talk about this network or that network. Everybody has a predetermined bias. There are very few that walk the center line, and those that do are are, are far and few. So you know, and and then for those that have been in Washington, like I have, and witnessed what I have witnessed, uh, you see things coming. It's sort of like if you sit in a room with a pro football player, Yvonne. And and he was anything, he can tell you, oh, they're going to run this play. And mm-hmm. by God, if they don't run that play, you can see what's going on. You can kind of, if, you, if you've been on the inside look, looking out, you can see what's going to happen here, there, and everywhere. Like I said, at a football game, you know, I can sit with my brother who played pro football, and, and he'll tell you, oh, they're going to run this play. Uh, see the guy moving here? It's going to happen over here. And it does. So, you know, but I, I – I allow myself to come up with my own opinions on on a lot of things, and you know, it's like watching it a, a train wreck. You can't stop it. Yeah, it's a Chinese fire drill. <laughs> that's a perfect example. I love it. Well, oh, what yeah, I, I want to know, on a lighter yeah. note, what yeah, on is a lighter, LA's, <laughs> what is LA's famous groundling improv troupe? What was the groundlings? That? The Groundlings is, for those that are not familiar with the Groundlings, uh, it's an improvisational training facility. Many of the characters and the actors from Saturday Night Live of the last 10 years come from there. Um, They are comparable to Second City in Chicago, which I think everybody's heard of Second City. It's where you go if you're already an established actor or a stand-up comic like I was, and you go and you learn improvisation. And it allows you the training to think on your feet, to handle situations that come up. Uh, I was very fortunate to uh, to have some great uh, uh, teachers while I was there. Some of them uh, are well known. Some of them at the time were not well known. Phil Hartman was a teacher of mine when it came to my uh, my voices and my impersonations. Uh, although Phil was a, younger than me, but Phil was in the business. He was already on Saturday Night Live. Uh, many of the performers now do come from the Groundlings. It's a great center. It, if you have a good basis for uh, of, of, of theater training, a good basis uh, and, and good foundation of improvisation is always wonderful. It's fantastic. It allows you, whether you're standing on stage or whether you're uh, behind a microphone as a talk show host, it gives you a place to go that you can't be caught off guard. Uh, salesmen go, used to go to the Groundlings just to take the classes so it would help their sales pitches better and, and be able to uh, you know bend with the curve, to be able to take the curveball, as it were, in a sales pitch. Um, in my class, I was very fortunate to have Bob Saget, Kevin Costner, Barbie Benton, Nick Turturro, 
and a couple other people that were like me that really never got to major stardom of any kind, but were working actors as I was at the time when I was out there because I was also doing stand-up comedy at the Improv with for Bud Friedman as a as a uh, 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 an MC. Wow. So it no, was, it's oh, no big. I mean, it's no big service. deal. You know. Thank you for huh? your service, by the way. Thank you for your service, by the way. Oh, in the, oh yeah. Well, I just I look. I went and I did my job and came home. You know. Was it something? And that that's and, and, and because of that, that's where I met Richard Nixon. And let me say this: I love tapes. Tapes have wonderful things on them. Could you imagine <laughs> him coming back today and Ronald Reagan? Oh my God, they'd turn over in their grave. And they would do. They'd be what? Are you kidding me? But uh, Can you no, I just went. Conversation on. those two would have. <laughs> oh my God! Well, uh, tell me, Richard, uh, how are things going for you? Uh, uh, well, all right. Well, listen, I can't talk because here's mommy, you know, <laughs> and, and and all that crazy stuff. He said to me, uh, Nixon, when we took him from Andrews back then, it was just Andrews Air Force Base, not Joint Base Andrews back to California on Air Force One, because that was my job. I wasn't a pilot on Air Force One, but I was on Air Force One. He said, Gary, remember, whatever political affiliation attaches itself to the right-wing conservative religious group, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the born-agains, he said they are eventually doomed because they only care about three or four different things. He said, and, and Reagan even wrote it in his book. That religion and politics have no business being in the same bed, you know. If you think about the root of religion, yeah, the root of religion has no base. I said that I said once as a guest on my show, Dr. Charles Stanley, during my pre-interview, I said I noticed you never mentioned anything about religion. He said I did once when I was a pastor in Miami. I I vouched for this guy to run for office. He got elected, and he turned out being a crook. He said so. I don't ever bring it up anymore. And he said besides, you don't come to church to hear about. Republicans or Democrats or conservatives or liberals, you come to hear the word of God, and that's what I'm here for. Absolutely. And on that note, I'm going to run three quick ads, and then we'll be right back because I have more stuff to ask you about. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Off the Chain with Yvonne Mason and my guest, radio talk show host of The Express, Gary Allen, and we will return shortly. Do you have cougars on your porch swing? Are horses your new best friend? Do your nicest shoes get buried knee-deep in snow as your toes turn blue? Are you bothered by wolves at your woodpile? No, not that kind of wolf. Join wildlife artist and author Nancy Quinn and her family as they discover an exciting new life in Go West, Young Woman, a true Montana adventure. Available online and in bookstores. Or visit quinnwildlifeart.com for a personalized signed copy. Critics agree, it's a hoot. Hi, this is Winona and Jade inviting you to join us and our wonderful guests on the And I Thought Women's Cave podcast on Blog Talk Radio to learn more about our books, the And I Saw It series, and The Misfit Guides. They're available on Amazon.com and BarnesandNobles.com. Or just to see what your ladies are up to, you can find all of that out on www.andwethought.com. So peace and love from Winona 
and Jade and our books. <laughs> Girl, you know, you're silly. silly. You silly. Remember you that? That's funny. <laughs> Remember to visit us at andwethought.com. Former Boston PD Captain Stanford Carter and his wife, forensic scientist Jill Seacrest, have decided to move to the Big Apple to accept positions with the New York branch of the FBI. Rookie agent Shania Deeprose completes the trinity as they collide head-on with raging and rampant social, political, and economic unrest amid a string of murders that seem unrelated and may be serial, copycat, thrill, or hate-driven as they struggle to understand the mind and thought process of the orchestrators, killers, and victims, the team begins to wonder who's who. The line between black and white, superior and subordinate, right and wrong, and good and evil disappears as they are forced to reevaluate their own thoughts, feelings, and philosophies. Ultimately, every character must come to their own conclusions to these questions. Is justice ever more important than the law? Is playing God justifiable if it's for the greater good of all? Come along for the ride to see if Agent Carter will decide to stick to being a hunter or become judge, jury, and executioner instead. Find the answers to these questions when you read the new book, The Killing Collective. The Killing Collective is a character-driven story with big characters with depth. They're soul-searching in addition to the biggest case of the agent's careers. The Killing Collective, available on Amazon in both Kindle and paperback editions. Order your copy today. And we are back. This is Off the Chain. I'm your host, Yvonne Mason, with my guest, Gary Allen, who is a radio talk show host with his own show called The Express. And we're talking about many different things, but I want to back up a bit. You know, I want to to get the... I want to get the book, The Killing Things, because, you know, I love to kill things. Oh, yes, I do. I do, I do. I once did that voice for a Roach Motel commercial where the roaches crawl in, but they <laughs> never crawl out. I love it. I love it. Ladies and By the way, the awesome. show is on Tuesday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern, The Express on TMV Cafe, so tune into that. Yeah, we we were going to get to that, but you, as as okay. usual, you just jumped right in there. But that's okay. That's what okay. We all right. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> yes, ladies and all gentlemen, right. the man's totally insane. We're thinking about having him certified and committed as soon as we can find him. He's on the run. So if you see this strange, yes. white-headed guy with different voices who says he's not Gary Allen, let's nab him. Yeah, just nab, put him, put a net over him. What I wanted to know is what made yeah. you leave beautiful downtown Miami and go to L.A.? Was it because of your abilities to do improv and stand up and all that stuff? Um, No. uh, Again, um, it was not my career move. I got into a a motorcycle accident a couple of weeks before I got out of the Air Force, and I couldn't see colors anymore, certain colors. I wasn't completely colorblind, so that ended any career of me being an airline pilot. And so I went uh, back to school. I was going to George Washington University in D.C., and I enrolled at the University of Miami, which is my alma mater. And when I finished there, I went up to visit a friend of mine in Pittsburgh who I served with, and he was auditioning at Carnegie Mellon's drama school, theater department. And uh, I was waiting for him to finish with his audition to get into the school, and uh, somebody came in, and he sat next to me, 
And he said, are you here to audition? I said, oh, no, 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 no. I said, I'm waiting for my friend. Uh, I said, then we're going to go have lunch. Uh, well, have you ever done theater? And I said, uh, yeah, in high school and stuff. And I grew up with a woman whose son was an actor, and she was a casting director, so I got to do a lot of Tony Rome movies and anything that came into South Florida, you know, within reason, as well as other movies that were outside of if she had anything to do to earn extra money instead of having, you know, work as a paper, uh, a bag boy at, at Winn-Dixie or something. Uh, but anyway, I ended up getting encouraged to audition. He said, well, just try it and see how you do. I said, okay, what the heck? So my buddy waited for me. Long story short, I got in. He didn't. Oh, no. And But the gentleman that was sitting next to me, who when I moved to L.A. – now, I'll get to the reason why I moved to L.A. – was Stephen Boschko, who recently passed away. For those of you that may not be familiar with the man, he was the executive producer of Hill Street Blues – L.A. Law, uh, Doogie Howser, and uh, he would be a, uh, he would be co-producer of a lot of other television shows. Um, I moved back to after I finished at Carnegie Mellon. I moved back home for a little while, and because uh, my mother was always sick, and eventually she did die of cancer. But in between, I said, you know, I'm really tired of Florida. I want to get out of here, and I want to go. I think I'm going to go to L.A. Okay, fine. So I went to L.A. I started doing some stand-up and et cetera, and then one night Stephen and his wife, Barbara Bossom, who played his played uh, Farillo's wife on uh, Hill Street Blues, which, by the way, Hill Street Blues was about a street on the south side of Chicago. It does exist. It really does exist. Um, uh, they both saw me, and Bud Friedman said, oh, you know Gary? And they go, yeah, he was one of our students at Carnegie Mellon. And immediately he said, are you working? I said, well, I'm picking up a few bucks here or there. He said, look, call my casting person. We'll get you in to do five and under stuff. It'll be enough to pay the rent. And back then the rents were a lot cheaper than they are today. Um, you know, I mean, my apartment in L.A. today is about $3,500 compared to the 250 bucks that we paid between my roommate and I. Uh, I think we paid about 400 total, something like that, about 200 250 apiece, something like that. Anyway... Uh, that's how I got to L.A. It was just it was a natural progression. I didn't know what to do with myself. I wasn't going to be an airline pilot, and I wasn't going to sit around and worry about it anymore because it was a done deal. It was a dead deal. I couldn't go anywhere with it. So the only other thing I could be was a clown. And uh, you know, so that's how I ended up there. I ended up doing Hill Street Blues, St. Elsewhere, uh, a bunch of other shows where if you really are desperate to see an ugly mug, I'm in there somewhere. And it paid the rent for a long period of time until I met the woman that I eventually married, and then from there moved to Chicago. Would you agree that stand-up comedy mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is one of the most difficult professions to be in? Yes, it is. Um it's excruciatingly painful when things aren't going right, and that usually, and that could be for anybody. I mean, I, I've literally seen Robin Williams bomb. And by, by the way, Robin was a good friend. He, uh, if it wasn't for him, I would have never got in the Groundlings to begin with. But uh, even some of the most famous comics of all time bomb from time to time. Uh, it's excruciatingly painful to stand up there. Ne- your knees are knocking the first few times you get up. And people are looking at you, and they're going, make me laugh. Tell me something I haven't heard before. And the knock-knock jokes they used to tell back at the bar just don't cut it anymore. 
got to be very clever. I don't like dirty comics, whether they be men or women. The curse don't words either. don't need, uh, you know, the curse words don't need to be. Uh, you're, if you if you're smart enough to want to really be a good stand-up comic, you don't have to curse about it. But that seems to be the current appetite of the audience out there, in spite of what they may say. But yes, it is a very difficult thing because you're all alone, and truly, the only person you're really competing against is yourself. You think you're competing against other comics, but if you're very, very good, it's like the first time Robin Williams got on stage in New York, which, by the way, he was a serious actor before he ever got involved in comedy. He went to Juilliard. Uh He was an extremely serious actor. Real quick, just for your audience, and I don't know if I've said this to you or not before, Yvonne, but Robin Williams, for fun, like most of us will watch television, read a book, go play golf, he would read books on quantum physics for fun. He was brilliant. He was a brilliant man. He was one of a kind. He was one of a kind. He was one of the most generous gentlemen in the world, just like Jay Leno. Jay and I have been friends for many, many years. He's one of the kindest gentlemen in the world. Robin would give you the shirt off his back, and, uh, of course, when you did, he didn't miss it because he looked like a hairy ape to begin with. He had more hair on him than, than you could see on an ape. I mean, he was just a hairy guy. But you would see him get on stage in the beginnings of his career, not having the greatest amount of material, but his brain worked a thousand miles an hour. And the only uh-huh. other comic I've ever seen that could work like that, uh, a contemporary, was Bob Saget. When Saget gets on stage, and people are always ticked that they think his act is going to be like Danny Tanner, and it's not. But Bob has more creativity in his little pinky than some people have running through their whole bodies that are in show business. The real true talents, they're born with it. They just hone it as they go by, but they're born with the talent. I was born and, and to do one thing, be a talk show host, and that's pretty much about it. Because I'll tell you what, I auditioned for porn, and they found out I was Jewish, and they went, nah, too short. <laughs> See, there you go again with your stand-up. And the Jew, nah, the Jew, the Jew is back. We don't want the Jew no more. Oh, no, 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 no more of the Jew. No, get him out of here. Get him out of here. You know? would, would, you, would you agree that many times... Someone can be just fall down funny, but what they lack is to know how to throw the punchline, to time it. It's all in the timing, and if you miss the timing, you lose the audience. I get a kick out of uh, people who watch a comic who's a true professional, like Billy Crystal or Robin Williams or... Uh, Jay or David Letterman back when David would do it. And David wasn't the funniest comic ever. But if you take some of the some of the great uh, comics of all times, it takes a long time to hone joke, a good joke. Sometimes uh-huh. it could take up to a year to put together a good 30-minute or hour, hour-and-a-half set that you're going to do on HBO or something. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the women that are out there today that are very, very funny. Um, and right now, her name just escapes me. Um, oh my goodness, she she was a, she still is a very pretty young lady. She just got married not too long ago. Uh, Sarah, not Sarah Silverman, because I don't like Sarah's jokes at all. They're too crass. Uh, by the way, the one that did the White House dinner, nothing wrong with what she did. When you're doing political roast, and that's basically what it is, and usually after that comic, there'd be the president to counteract that. But. Um, um, I'm trying to think of the girl. Oh, God, she's a blonde. Um, anyway, 
there's a lot of funny female comics. It takes a long time to hone an act. It could take up to a year to get 20 minutes to a half hour of a good act. The barroom knock-knock jokes are the jokes you tell to your friends at work. They don't usually cut it. The water cooler stuff, that doesn't cut it on stage. You've got to be clever. You've got to come up with something. And even though there may not be anything such as new as a new joke, there's always a new way to tell a joke, you know. Uh-huh. And and it's Some, a very difficult career. And it can have its ups and its downs. Uh, Alan King stuck, ar- stuck around for a very, very long time. And there have been some comedians in the recent years that have committed suicide because their careers weren't going anywhere. It is a hell of a business. Excuse my French. It's either the highest of highs or the lowest of lows. Um, well, you've got to be prepared the, to take a beating. One of the best you lines. really do. One of the hmm? best lines. And it is a classic line. It goes way, way back. Mm-hmm. And... When I say the line, you'll know the comic that I'm talking about. And he would stand mm-hmm. up, and he would be take he would be talking, and all of a sudden he'd say, "Take my wife, please." Oh, Henny Youngman. Yes. Henny. And the way he, he delivered yeah. that line, it was funny every single time. Now here's something that a lot of people out there probably know if you've watched enough specials about comics. That was what we call a throwaway line. You know you're yep. a redneck was a throwaway line. Uh, yep. I get no respect, Rodney Dangerfield. Uh, that was a throwaway. That was something he did. He got a laugh out of it, started incorporating it into the act, and little by little by little, that became the act. You know, yep. My favorite Rodney Dangerfield line of all times, and he and Bob Saget were very, very good friends, and, and Rodney was good friends with my uncle, who, like I said, was a comic on Miami Beach forever and a day. Um, my favorite line is is when he, he when he talks about his dad and he says, "Dad, I'm tired of running around in circles." He said, "Shut up, or I'll nail your other foot down." Yes, that was came out of nowhere. Uh, Rodney Rodney was a comic in his 20s, got married, quit, became a paint salesman, then in his 40s came back to comedy. Um, there is no age limit on comedy if you're funny and good. But if you're and the the greatest sin you can ever do, Yvonne, and I don't care if you're a stand-up comic, if you're an actor, or a talk show host, is to bore your audience. That's the greatest sin you could ever do. If you're not being informative and entertaining, get out of the business because you're not doing yourself or your audience any good. You have to be entertaining. Yes, you know, I, as my as my favorite friend Elmo always says. There's always room for a little bit of a red furry fella. <laughs> See, ladies and gentlemen, I told you the man is certifiably insane. So when you oh, find I'm, I'm him, as nutty as I'm as nutty as a fruitcake. I'll tell you that right now. I throw a net over him. Don Rickles. Yeah. He, he, people love to be insulted by him. Yes, and when he wasn't on stage, he was one of the gracious, one of the most gracious, nicest gentlemen you'll ever meet. He was just—I I, knew—I I met him in Miami Beach before he made it big. Um, yes, there was a time when Don Rickles didn't make it big. He was—he wasn't in—he was in his mid to late 30s before Sinatra ever saw him, and other people saw him. And then he started to make it big. Then he would work the Copa in New York and other places, and the rest was history. 
and a nice guy. You know, here's a misconception about a lot of show business people, at least the ones that I knew. A lot of the young ones today are kind of arrogant because they get their fame right away. But those that had to work to get there, Yvonne, those that had to struggle for years and years and years, like 10, 15 years, how am I going to pay the rent? Where am I going to eat next? When they make it, they're appreciative of it. The best advice I ever got was from Harvey Corman. It was at a hot dog place right on La Brea called Pink's, very famous hot dog stand. And we were having a hot dog there and cream soda, and I went over to him. I said, may I sit with you, Mr. Corman? He said, yeah, sure, man. He didn't know who I was. And we got talking, and then I would see him there all the time. I met Carol Burnett there. I met Lyle Wagner, Vicki Lawrence, uh, Tim Conway. And the best advice came actually from him and Ted Knight one night, and they both said, in this town, be nice, be humble. It gets you there a lot further than being nasty, mean, and a diva. Now, I guess the opposite is working nowadays because everybody out there seems to be a diva. But uh, if you're not nice, what's the point of living? You don't have to be a diva. I mean, I'm perfect, and I know it, you know? (laughs) And that's just one of your many talents. (laughs) Yes, amongst everything else, I am, am, you know, Aflac. You know what I'm saying? And even Gilbert Gottfried is one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. A little strange. Oh, he was a hoot. That man was a Let me absolute. tell you a quick story. One night, one night, my uncle and I are in New York, and we're at Catch a Rising Star, which doesn't was a hole in a wall. doesn't exist anymore. And Rodney is sitting, at, uh, sitting there talking to my uncle, and this guy comes in. Who, I didn't know who Gilbert Gottfried was at the time. In his pajamas, because he lived next door, he would come down in his pajamas, go do a set, and go back upstairs. One night he came in with his pajamas, turned his back to the audience, and did his entire set in his pajamas and robe with his back to the audience. And he was a oh, hoot. Wow. <laughs> he was a hoot. Those are the days when comedy was where you really took risks. Today kids are all like, back in those days, you tried to get on a Tonight Show, so you had to be clean. Uh-huh. You know? You had to be clean. And that's the reason you go to L.A., is to get on The Tonight Show and stuff, but unfortunately those shows don't really show comics the way they used to. Leno used to show them once in a while, uh, but Carson used to show them a lot. And once you got on The Tonight Show, and, and yeah. if you were a no, quote-unquote a nobody, nobody had ever heard of you, once you got on The Tonight Show, it was like a ticket to anywhere you wanted to go. And Johnny Carson exactly. taught me a lot. When I started this radio show, I used him as my yardstick because Johnny would have his his little script, his little notepad there, or his little three by five cards, and all of a sudden everything would go off script. And then more times than not, the note cards would go over his shoulder. Oh yeah, and yeah, and and people, Letterman would do the same thing. Yeah, yeah, people uh, I, learn. I interned. Yeah, I interned for Larry King, and I learned from Larry. Be prepared. I don't have a brain like Larry. I mean, I was raised by Polish people, so I'm kind of halfway out the door anyway. So, But I prepare. I have my notes in front of me, but I don't adhere to those. If you say something during our interview that we did, I write it down, and I may get back to it. Because I think a couple times I said, Yvonne, let's get back to right. you know, when before you became a bounty hunter, which I still find, you know, yes, she's out there. If you're bad, <laughs> she's coming for you, Avon Mason, bounty hunter. Yeah. Yvonne Mason, bounty hunter. I can just 
just hear the theme from Beretta on that, you know. <laughs> I, I, I would give anything to get back into that line of business. I, I would go back tomorrow. Bounty Hunter? Love, yeah, I loved it. Uh, oh, God. I, You're crazy. I live for you it. You think it, I'm crazy? It, a bounty hunter? No, 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 no. It's my drug of choice. No. Because, see, the thrill is not in picking them up. The thrill is in going after them because they think they're smarter than the average bear, and they're really, they don't have all their crayons in their box, and they're dumber than a bag of rocks, and they're predictable. Oh, yes. So the adrenaline Yeah, they are. I mean, if, if, if they were, you know, and the funny thing is if they spent their life going after normal work, they're smarter than the average bear, even though they make mistakes in the criminal world. It's like Al yeah. Capone. He could have been president of IBM. He wasn't stupid. He was very, very smart. Exactly. A, but but, they, but they honed the profession of criminalization yeah. to perfection. Mm-hmm. But By the way, I wanted – can I say something? I have yeah. a record out now. I recently wrote a song, a country song. And it's yeah. going up the charts on the country music uh, uh, charts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's It's got a great title. It's on the Who Cares album, and the title of the music is I Can't Get Over You Till You Get From Underneath Him. <laughs> it's rising to the top, I'm telling you. It's going to hit the Country <laughs> Music Awards any day now. I, I, I will rush right out and get it. Yeah, well, don't go too fast or too far. You know. <laughs> By the way, I just want everybody to know, Yvonne is one of the greatest ladies in the world. She has helped me with my getting on podcast stuff because I, Yvonne will tell you I have no patience for that stuff. As a matter of fact, she's going to help me on Monday with one that I can't seem to figure out no matter what I do. But once Yvonne teaches you, you never forget because if you call her back for advice, she says, I got a gun and I'm coming up to see you. <laughs> so get it right this time, would you please, you know? Yes, Yvonne Mason, bounty hunter. Dun, 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 You're a dun. quick study, okay. my friend, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> I'm, see, I'm very have... quick on the study, yeah. I, I, have no I was a lousy for... student. Hmm? I have no tolerance for people that refuse to learn. It it, it escapes well, me. I did cut out on the podcast.com because I just found it more confusing, and even you were having frustration with it. But uh, And by the way, I was a lousy student in high school. When I got into college, I guess because I was more mature, then I became a better student because I was studying things that I wanted to study. I mean, I, I just was so bored in high school. I couldn't wait to get out of Hollywood, Florida. I mean, I just, I mean if you've ever, folks, if you've ever been to Hollywood, Florida, you know why. I mean, yes. the all-night diner closes at 12 noon, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's boring down there. I mean, it's like, hey, well, can we then, go watch the crickets the- race? You know, then you have the college kids that come in on spring break and trash the place. Yeah, well, yeah, they stopped that uh, uh, some years ago. They don't really go to Fort Lauderdale anymore. I guess they go more up where I am and you are and up in yeah. Pensacola and stuff like that. Uh, but, yeah, oh, yeah, there was, the, you know, there was some stuff. But back then they were tame in comparison to the kids today. I mean, you know, I mean, the movie Where the Boys Are was filmed in Fort Lauderdale Beach. And there were a lot of movies that were filmed in Fort Lauderdale, but you know that was that was back in the D. We're both being dated by those movies. So yes, tell I the just, folks, tell yes. the folks, tell the folks about the radio show. <laughs> it's uh, radio called show. the Express. It's on at Tuesday nights at ten o'clock. Uh, it's an eclectic show. It's sort of like what Charlie Rose used to do without the sexual harassment and. Uh, 
what Larry King used to do. I have eclectic guests on this. A couple of weeks ago, I had Bobby Rydell on. At one time, I had I had Yvonne Mason on, the bounty hunter. And uh, I also had uh, – I've had others on. I've had Bob on. I've had uh, Kevin on. Uh, I've had uh, Ray Abruzzo, who's an old dear friend of mine, another student of uh, Stephen Boschko. You remember him from The Sopranos. I've had authors on. I've had teachers on. Uh, if you have something to say and impart on my audience and you're not going to bore them, I want you on. Um, I, I do kind of a well-rounded show. It's on TMVCafe.com, Tuesday nights at 10. But also, too, I'm going to be doing a show on Blog Talk, thanks to you, soon, as soon as we can get a few things squared away. There's my old military training. Uh, it's going to be called Walking with God. It's a faith-based thing, but it's not what you think, folks. Uh, I'm not a theologian <laughs> by any stretch. It's talking about people and their journey with God. Before and after, it's just something I feel I need to do to pay back to God for all that he's done for me. I mean, I may not be worth it much. I don't have two quarters to rub together in any given time because I work in radio, but I'm grateful for what I do have, and it's something I feel I need to do. And you're kind enough to give me your Mondays, which we'll be doing that, I believe, at 8 o'clock in the evening. And yep. uh, that's going to be starting up pretty soon, I think, as soon as, uh, as soon as we get a few other things squared away. He keeps telling me that, ladies and gentlemen, and it's a good thing I don't hold my breath or I'd be dead by now. No, I mean, no, no, no. It, it it's, overtakes it's, everything, but I love him anyway. No, it's it's. I've already got guests lined up. I've already got myself lined up with the NBA, the National Religious Broadcasters Association. I do have my first five or six shows guests lined up. I'm just waiting for one other person to finish something for me, and then we'll be ready to go. So okay. it's, it's coming very soon. It'll be coming very soon. And see, okay, there we are with that relative thing again. Time, you know, time is relative. You know what the definition of a minute is, right? The definition of how long a minute is 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 which side of the bathroom door you're on. There you go. (laughs) There you go. Think about it. Think about it. If you're on the outside of the bathroom. Now, there's a question. When you die and you go to heaven, do we need to go to the bathroom anymore? That's a good question. And another thing, the one thing I don't like about the idea of dying, I'll be surrounded by dead people. Then you will see dead people. I mean, I don't want to be, I don't even, and some of those dead people I don't want to be around anyway, like, you know, my (laughs) ex-mother-in-law, my ex-wife, this one, that one, you know. My sixth grade teacher, though, she was pretty hot, you know. But anyway, uh, but I mean, seriously, when you die, you know, are, are, do we realize we're dead or, or do we go to heaven in another form? These and other well, major grazing questions will be asked on the on the uh, uh, Yvonne Mason Bounty Hunter show coming up right <laughs> after this one. I could just see you with, a you know, the, the 45 in your hand. All right, buddy. You're under no, arrest. I carried us. I carried a Smith and Wesson forty five um forty cal. I carried a forty cal. And I also oh. have a three eighty that goes in my boot. Hey God, she's packing. Let's keep our eyes off of Yvonne Mason. Bounty hunter. And if that doesn't work, I have a three foot wooden billy stick that I take their knees out with. Ah. Hey Jack, run, baby, run. <laughs> Don't and check if that her off. Work, run. 
if that doesn't work, I've I've taken martial arts, so that would kick in. Oh, by the way, and if people want to find out more about me, go to my website, Gary Allen A L A N Talkshow dot com. It'll give you all the links and everything there. It's my website. It shows how handsome I'm not in there. Oh, you're so full of it. So you're definitely yeah. going to do the show on Monday nights. We're just waiting on one more person. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Believe me, this is something I've been wanting to do for a very long time. Okay. Um, and and it's, so and it's something I need to do. More, more to come on that whenever Gary gets his other person off wherever it is they are, maybe in, yeah. in another He's a person who's connected with the church that's doing something for me, and if anybody's ever been connected with a church, you realize it takes them three times longer to get things done than it does the normal, everyday person. I don't know why, but it just seems to be that way. That's why I said, why couldn't you be Jewish? We we get things done a lot faster. We just pay the rabbi, we look up, we go, hey, how about it? And that's it, you know? And then you get frustrated when it doesn't get done in your timely manner. Well, whatever timely is to me. I'm learning patience through all of this, you know, and it's See, like driving. I, when, when my children were small, I, per, I prayed for patience. Stupid me, because when I prayed for patience, God sent trials and tribulations, so I don't pray for patience anymore. I just pray for strength. Well, I mean, <laughs> you don't have to pay for anything. I mean, after all, you are Yvonne Mason, bounty hunter, you know what I mean? You know, we're going to get and that into a show, Yvonne. Yvonne Mason, okay, well, then, well, if we could write a sh- we could write a, a screenplay and do a weekly show for that. Yes, that was Yvonne Mason. Was what was your toughest case? Oh, it was the chocolate chip case. Ooh. Actually, oh. it was a guy I couldn't catch out in New York. I was the only one out of all of the cases that I did that we could not go get. Oh well. Anyway, See? but no, um, that show on Monday night is going to happen very very soon, and of course, uh, you know, I'm going to have you on because you're a person of faith. The people that are going to be on there are not going to necessarily be theologians and stuff because I've never – my brother will come on. Now, he's he's a priest. He, well, actually, he's a bishop now, but he, in the Greek Orthodox Church, and he's going to come on. Some other people that I know at Liberty University, uh, I wish I could get Dr. Charles Stanley to come back on, but he's getting up there in age, and his time – Time is very limited, and they they hold him back on many things. But it's 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 going to be a good show, like my Tuesday night show on TMV Cafe at ten. Hope you turn in. Uh, go to my website, GaryAllenTalkShow.com. Uh, you know, subscribe to my YouTube channel when you get in there. There's a link to it. You know, everything. I you know, I need all the help I can get. You yes, know, you I'm not Yvonne Mason, bounty hunter. You know what I mean? <laughs> and with and with that, ladies and gentlemen, our time yes. is running out, and I want to thank oh Gary so much. For- for being on our show. I know he'll come back. And, and we will start up again next Wednesday night at 8 o'clock Eastern Daylight Time. And y'all all know at the end of every show, this is what I say. People will forget what you look like. They will forget your name. They will even forget what you're wearing. But they will never, ever, ever forget how you made them feel. And it is my hope and my prayer that every one of my guests and every one of my listeners that I come in contact with, that when they leave me, that they feel like they're the most important person in the room because they are. And I hope that we have made your night, that we have made you laugh, that we've made you think, and that you will join us again on Wednesday night and stay tuned for Gary's show that will be on Off the Chain. He will have his own spinoff show as soon as he can get his friend to finish up what he's doing. Yeah. So with yeah. that that being said, I and, and don't hang up when the show goes dark, Gary, because i got some things to tell you. 
I want okay. to say thank you, thank you again for listening. Thank you, Gary, for coming on the show. Oh, my pleasure, Yvonne. May you all have a wonderful, wonderful rest of the weekend, and we will see you again on Wednesday night at 8 o'clock Eastern Daylight Time here at Off the Chain, which is always unscripted. This is Yvonne Mason saying good evening. Okay, what we say now will go up in the archive show, but that's okay. What I wanted to tell you is once I get off from here and the show moves up into archives, I'm going to put the link up on my page and tag you in it, and you can okay. take it and post it everywhere. Post it on your on your website, okay, post great. it everywhere. And tomorrow yeah. I will put it up on podcast.com, Podcast Garden, SoundCloud, Spreaker, and from there it will go up on iTunes and YouTube and FM.com, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, and you, got on, you finally got places. on iHeart, huh? Yeah, I'm on iHeart in two places, Southern Chats with Yvonne Mason and um, Off the Chain with Yvonne Mason. And then I, I, How did you finally weeks. manage to break that barrier? Because I know you said it took you a while. It took me two years. Wow. I, I, I would I love to be able to. I don't know if it's the, well, the, the audience we have. I don't know what it is, but I'm up there in two places now. Yeah. Well, anyway, was it a good hour for you? It was absolutely a wonderful hour, and we're going to be on I try Spotify. To have, so I, I mean, I'm, I'm other than other other than when I'm a host, which is a whole different thing. As a guest, I'm I'm okay, you know, because hey, I'm just having fun, you know. There you go, and you'll come back, right? But yeah, that what I'm waiting for is for my friend to do the opening, closing, and the music, and uh, once he gets that done, then then we're going to be ready to go. And also too. I have been waiting for for when Jack is a little more normal, so we can get this thing going. Because I I don't want to take you away from that, and there was no hurry on it at this point. Because I'm I'm still trying to find a part time job, of which nobody wants to hire me except hamburger joints, and they only want to give me like fifteen to twenty hours a week. And even then, they say they're going to reduce the time. Well, there's a job out there for you. We just put it out there in the universe, and and it'll come. It'll it'll. It'll it'll get to me. It'll get to me. Uh, but anyway, thank you so much. Like I said, I hope it was fun for you and your audience. And uh, on Monday, we'll get together and we'll figure out why I can't get through to this MeWe because it's simple. It's a it's not it's a smaller version of, of Facebook. Actually, it's an easier version. And I don't uh-huh. know why it won't take. You know, I push on to get a picture, and I go. I click on it. Push push. You know, like you normally would for Facebook and everybody else, and nothing comes up. It just, yeah. Well, we'll maybe have to work on it. Yeah, maybe it's something that, that I didn't get when I set up everything that I should have that my friend, unfortunately, can't remember. I don't know. But anyway, thank you so much. Is this a number that in the future... I'll be. Yes. Uh, this is the number I have to give my guests to come on the show. No, yeah, yeah, that's the number you'll give your guests to call into the show. I'll give you the host call-in number and the host pin number when we get ready to put the show up. Okay, absolutely, darling. And I thank you so much. And like I said, I hope it was fun for you. I tried to make it fun and 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 just let the hour go by because I I hate to bore people. But you didn't. It went by really really fast. The hour I, I mean, that's why I'm. Myself. That's why I'm not in the porn industry because I would I bored <laughs> the girls to death. <laughs> and with that, I'm going to say good night, Gary. Good night, Gary. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.